Recorded live. Welcome to Evolution Revolution with Dulcinea. It is Thursday, October 30th, 2008. Each of us are limitless, multidimensional beings experiencing the veil of Earth and the third dimension in order to restore the ultimate remembrance of our true eternal nature comprised of unconditional love and divine peace. Evolution Revolution is focused on offering the listeners intuitive and balanced information that fosters transformation both personally and globally, ultimately raising the consciousness on planet Earth. I am a metaphysician, clairvoyant and clairaudient intuitive, a writer, public speaker, PR and marketer, personal advisor to visionaries, leader, and spiritual teacher. Please explore more on my website at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com or at www.dulcineasdivinevision.com. Thank you for joining the show this evening, wherever you may be listening. Tonight on Evolution Revolution, I am honored to have an appearance from Barbara Hand Clow, the author of 10 books, an international speaker, spiritual teacher, ceremonial leader, trained in the Cherokee and Mayan traditions. She was the acquisitions editor for Bear & Company from 1983 through 1999, where she published some of the new paradigm Mayan calendar researchers covered in the Mayan Code, Time Acceleration and Awakening the World Mind from Bear & Company in 2007. Barbara and her partner Jerry Clow lead Pleiadian Agenda Activations which are a journey through nine dimensions based on the books by Barbara and Jerry, being The Pleiadian Agenda, A New Cosmology for the Age of Light, published by Baron Company in 95, and Alchemy of Nine Dimensions, Decoding the Vertical Axes, Crop Circles, and the Mayan Calendar, published by Hampton Roads in 2004. Barbara is a leader in the realms of multidimensional consciousness and transformative healing, both individually and planetary. Welcome, Barbara. It's an honor to have you here on Evolution Revolution this evening. Great. Hi, Delphinea. Thank you. So, Barbara, your quest since your days at Matthew Fox Institute at Loyola has been focused upon the search for a deeper comprehension of the true multidimensional nature of human beings. How do your three more recent books, The Mayan Code, the Pleiadian Agenda, and Alchemy of Nine Dimensions synergize to create a bigger picture of the multidimensional nature of human beings, including consciousness, higher awareness, and a conscious evolution? Wow, big question. <laughs> I, I thought we'd get going sure, with the bang. Right, right. <laughs> you know, first of all, I started out, um, like, like a lot of women do, as kind of more right-brained and intuitive. And so the Pleiadian Agenda was a channel book. It's actually the only one of my channel books. And what happened was a very, very big cosmological data bank um, needed to come through. And I, at the time, did not have the scientific background and knowledge to um, create the material. And so I just let go and created a group of people who could question me. And then I did a typical uh, channeling process of being questioned and then answering. And it was all tape recorded. And it ended up being the Pleiadian Agenda, A New Cosmology for the Age of Light, which came out in 95. And then what happened for me is then I started to go on a very scientific quest. And the reason for that is that I, what I did with the Pleiadian Agenda material was I reported it as exactly as it came through. If I didn't understand it, that just had to be the case. If it contradicted something that I thought was true, I still kept it the way it was. 
And so I entered into a very, very deep process of studying science and studying um, the sources connected to the Pleiadian agenda in order to understand it myself. And that resulted in Alchemy of Nine Dimensions, um, which came out in 2004. And Alchemy of Nine Dimensions is a scientific analysis of my own channel book, which is really kind of a unique situation. And so I've been going through a, a process of attempting to understand nine dimensions. For example, the third dimension is linear space and time. And, you know, we're on this radio show right now. That's an easy one to understand. But these other dimensions have very, very unusual characteristics, and they're very profound for us. And so once I got alchemy and I understood eight of the nine dimensions, but I did not understand the ninth dimension, which according to the Pleiadians is time. And of course that's putting time in an extremely high dimension. And so in 2004, I discovered the work of the biologist Carl Johan Kalaman regarding time and the Mayan calendar. And at that point, um, everything in my 12 books and, and 35 years of work finally came to a, like it, it synergized and it came to a level of completion for me which is very exciting, and is, is and it's wonderful to teach this material too. So that's, that's kind of how it's gone. That's very exciting, and what a very thorough process. And it must be very rewarding for you to see it um, build and develop and expand into a greater under a greater understanding, a greater awareness for yourself personally, but then also to be able to share that service with humanity and allow others to gain as well. You're reaping great rewards. Yeah, right. And it brings through two things, which is because I channeled the material but did not understand a great deal of it, then what happened is a lot of the material in the Pleiadian agenda went against uh, current science back in 1995. And so year by year, 96, 97, 98, 99, um, things that were in the Pleiadian agenda started being proved um, by, by scientists. And so, number one, what that did is that gave me a tremendous confidence in discovering things on the intuitive realms or, or, or on the psychic realms, you could say. And then, as far as teaching the material is concerned, I've been teaching for 30 years. And it, <clears throat> being a teacher, as you know, gives you the opportunity to really tune into whether people resonate with you. And, and so people's resonation with me, in a sense, has been my own guide. And, and so year by year by year, the resonation factor has gotten to be more intense, especially with the material that Carl Kalamon discovered. I've never seen such fantastic resonation. It's like I present a really complex model to people, and they don't really understand a lot of the details, and yet they, can fe they feel inside that they're bringing back something that they've understood themselves for thousands of years. So it's been uh, especially wonderful the last couple of years. And I couldn't agree with you more. The Mayan code really clarified for myself a lot of information. A little background is I had uh, picked up in about 2004, I was in Marin County, and I picked up the Palladian workbook. A lady said, um, you know, would you like this book? And I was like, oh, yes, I'm supposed to get this book. I, it was just like lit up in a ball of light. So I took it home, and I started reading this book, and I, I was it just enamored with it. I was enthralled. I did not put it down. And then I said, okay, universe, this is great, but is there anywhere on earth that actually practices this? Mm -hmm. And two weeks later, they took me down to downtown San Rafael, and there was a, a psychic institute, ended up being a, an affiliate of Berkeley Psychic Institute, that practiced somewhat parallel techniques. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, this is amazing. There is, this is real. And it was very validating. And then I came across your book. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I read the story of how the Pleiadian workbook and the Pleiadian agenda were actually submitted simultaneously, unknowingly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Isn't that amazing? Stuff like and, that is, really is amazing. Yes, and that's one of those stories that I've told people for years just to my clients. So now on the air with you, I want to share with others, you know, there really is a synchronicity and it is important to trust our information as you have and then have been able to watch that trust grow into fruition that's changing millions of lives across the globe. And then one of the reasons that the people ask me, like, why the Pleiades, you know, why not Sirius and why not Orion? And, of course, in in the alchemy of nine dimensions, I'm dealing with other star systems, Andromeda, Galaxy, Sirius, etc. But the reason that the Pleiadian material resonates um, so intensely for people is if you get into Carl Kalamann's um, model of the Mayan calendar, we're dealing with nine underworlds of consciousness, which have all been evolving up up to 2011, 2012. So, so there's nine levels evolving simultaneously. And a fairly recent level, and when I say recent, um, I'm, I'm talking about nine levels, nine dimensions, uh, or nine underworlds, which go back 16.4 billion years, okay? So when I say recent, I'm, t- I'm talking about the regional underworld, which is 100,000 years long. So it's basically the Paleolithic period. And what I found by studying anthropology is that even doctrinaire, uh, very scientific anthropologists, all agree that there is evidence for for Paleolithic people believing in contact with the Pleiades and believing that the Pleiades is their source for 100,000 years. And so the Pleiadian material resonates with like the hunter-gatherer part of us. It resonates with a very, very ancient, deep part of us, which is very much in, in tune with nature. And so that's why people respond to it so strongly. Yes, and I couldn't validate you more. I was living in the redwood forest of Marin, submersed with nature and no neighbors <laughs> oh boy. When, when that book arrived. And yes, they actually came to me as well. I had an experience while I was reading it, and uh-huh. I went to a classroom. I'll share with you. This was so I didn't know who to tell, and probably not till this year have I shared with anybody. Mm-hmm. This experience, they took me to a classroom, which was a globe, and it was a sterile classroom, like a hospital, but even more clean and filled with unconditional love. And they were bright blue beings, and they sh- took me over a globe. They showed me a map, and they showed me some changes that would occur on the map mm-hmm. to accommodate the shifts in consciousness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, very interesting. And that's a very authentic Pleiadian experience, by the way, because they, they really are educators, and, and people frequently, including myself, report being taken to a temple or a record temple or a class or something like that. Because yes. they're really, really out there wait, waiting to teach us. And then another thing I think that's going on with them is because they've been so deeply in touch with the earth for 100,000 years, they are, they, they are very involved with the sacred sites and so the various sacred sites on the planet. And, and so what happens is the sacred sites themselves resonate with strong Pleiadian consciousness. And so then when people go there to pray or on a pilgrimage or whatever, they very easily get in touch w- with this type of material. And then, as you know from my book, um, the, the Pleiadian uh, dimension is the fifth dimension. And the fifth dimension is the realm of unconditional love and the open heart. And that certainly is, I would say, the realm that's the most accessible to us besides um, solid linear space and time. Yes, and the fifth dimension is accessible through meditation and practice, correct? And life, so and having a baby. You know, it's, it's like one of those things that, like, like uh, solid, the solid world of space and time, um, it's very, very real to us because of the way we live our lives. 
So to someone who's just opening up to this idea, can we parallel like the nine dimensions to a skyscraper? Nine stories of a skyscraper? Yeah, one of the terms that of course I use is vertical axis. Um, for, for just to explain um, when we talk about the uh, dimensions in a progressive way. But the, the really accessible uh, way to get into the nine dimensions is just to name them for what they are because people just know it the minute they hear it. And the first dimension is the iron core crystal in the center of our planet, which we're, we're hooked into. And the second dimension is the telluric realm, which is below the crust of the Earth and down to the iron core crystal. So it's that whole realm of magma and elemental consciousness and metallic um, consciousness. Then third dimension, of course, is the surface, which is linear space and time. The fourth dimension is the collective mind, where all of the thoughts and feelings of the uh, people on the planet are all interconnected. The interesting thing about the fourth dimension is it, it is what links us up with everybody else. And it also is what distinguishes us from animals. Because, see, I feel like plants and animals and rocks are actually kind of superior to human beings, you know. But... Your dog doesn't have to worry about the collective mind. You know, your dog doesn't have to worry about the war in Iraq. And and so what what distinguishes us as humans is this this collective field of consciousness. Then the fifth dimension is the heart, and then the sixth dimension is sacred geometry, which is which is the realm that contains all the forms. Seventh dimension is sacred sound, and as we know from new technology, especially the last 20 years, sound creates form. Or a geometry, or as we see in the Bible, the, the you know the Word of God um, created reality. It's the same concept. Then the eighth dimension is the divine, or if people want to call it God, goddess, that's okay. And then mysteriously, I think the most mysterious element of the material the Pleiadians gave me is the idea that the ninth dimension is time. And I think that's the most fascinating part of my more recent work. I've just been involved in a deep contemplation of the meaning of time. And what is the meaning of time from the ninth dimension perspective in comparison to the third dimensional mm-hmm. operational definition that we're used to working with? Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, time in the third dimension, of course, is your watch. But <clears throat> when you're dealing with time in the ninth dimension, and this is something I did not understand until 2005, so this is a big deal to me, um, what you're dealing with is you're dealing with the actual um, force of evolution itself and the actual force in the universe which is causing everything to evolve slowly but surely into unity consciousness and into oneness with divine, you know, with divine nature, with God, if you want to call it that. And so the, the ninth dimension is by far the most complex dimension of all um, and because of the complexity of evolution. And so once you start to grasp what Kalaman, who's a biologist, has discovered for us, then, at least me, I, I've started to have just a living connection with, with all of the different levels of time. Like, like the other day, I spent four hours in a state of bliss contemplating that moment when the first fish went on land and became an amphibian. You know, you start to really, really develop a real deep connection with everything that's in the universe, and it's really a beautiful experience. It is. It's, 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 it, it sounds like it takes practice to receiving. Well, you know, the, the, the reason I like Kalamon stuff is, is this is the most complex question of all. And yet, because we've lived through all these layers, because we were part of the primordial fireball, and, you know, and because we were there and we were, we were an amphibian that went on to land, 
what happens to it to us is at a cellular level our consciousness understands this and yet at the same time we also are complex for the most part um western kind of mental intellectual beings and i find as as a western intellectual because of course i'm also part indigenous but but i also grew up in a western culture i find that when i grasp the concept of something and really understand an idea that's when all of these other deeper deeper levels of intuitive and heartfelt consciousness um be, become much more intense for me in other words there's something about us as westerners where we we got to know what it means you know and it's something that, for the, for the most part, won't go away for people. It just is what we are. So what is the relation, then, between the time in the ninth dimension and the personal growth process? Ah, okay. There you're, you're back to evolution again, and it's a very, very interesting question on your part because, as you know from reading the Mayan Code, there are nine underworlds and nine levels of acceleration. And we went into the eighth underworld, um, in 1999, in January of 1999. So we only entered into the eighth level of acceleration only in 1999. And each one of these levels of acceleration is going faster and faster. So, so for example, um, the, first of all, we have the 100,000-year cycle, which is the Paleolithic cycle. Then we started going 20 times faster in about 3,115 B.C., when the temple city culture showed up. And so if you get into your history books, what you'll find is all of a sudden they say in Sumeria, in Egypt, in, in Mesoamerica, in um, China, all of a sudden these temple city cultures just popped up everywhere all over the planet, which is a great example of time acceleration. Then we accelerated 20 times faster in 1755, which is the industrial revolution. And people can actually feel those different levels of shiftings right in their physical body. And so what Kalaman is saying is that we then went 10 to 20 times faster in 1999. And so to, to answer your question, the way evolution works is that evolution works by means of, of, of changes in, in the brain um, uh, structure, which are responding to the field um, in the universe itself. And so according to Kalaman, we started going 20 times faster in 1999. And if you talk to anybody that you know, most people will tell you things have been going so fast that they just can't cope. And not only that, everything in reality right now feels like kind of enfolding um, levels of material coming in. It's kind of like everything is like starting to enfold on us because the speed that, that things are, are moving is very difficult for us to handle. And then in terms of our personal evolution, in the middle of this rapid level of acceleration, what's happening is we're attempting to comprehend our personal reality in the middle of that. We're, we're, we're trying to sync it up with this, this, this larger level of change. And a great example of the difficulty of that for me has been the last couple of months where the financial crash hit, which of course is predicted in the calendar, and I predicted it right on the nose in the Mayan code. But all of a sudden we're living in a reality where all of the physical um, assets that, that create our reality are all flushing out and changing and transmuting. Where do we fit in relationship to that, you know? And so I find that's such a complex and difficult question. I find 
that this particular concept uh, that, that we find in the Mayan calendar is just an incredible guide right now. Yes, and it's, it's serving for a bridge to understanding ourselves at the core and the truth of who we are. But in the process, it, it feels like, a, I mean, I think we're going through a universal or galactic hurricane. <laughs> yeah, it does feel like that. And then it, it, what I said in the Mayan Code was the question is where are we headed? And I definitely believe that we're going through an evolutionary critical leap. And the way I, the way I name it is I say that the, this, the part of our species that will survive in the next period of time is going to be called Homo Pachem, which means human of peace versus Homo aggressus. And I have a great uh, uh, illustration of the book showing a guy carrying an, at, an, you know, an AK-47 rifle going out of evolution and then a, like a kind of spiritual being kind of going forward in the evolutionary um, uh, time frame that we're in. So because of this critical leap and because of this radical shift in what we're going to be as beings on this planet, all of the old systems of the 5,000-year-old cycle, that's the one that goes back to the temple city, and then all of the systems of the industrial um, underworld, which goes back to 1755, right now at this moment, they're all crashing. And, and it takes a tremendous amount of belief and hope to feel that something else is emerging in the middle of this, you know. And that's where I keep going back to that fish that finally had the courage to um, climb onto the land because obviously something happened that meant that creature, in order to go to the next stage, it had to actually evolve and go onto the land. But what was it like to leave the sea and move onto the land, you know? And the other day I was talking to my husband about it because some really fabulous material has just been discovered by, by biologists. Um, They've been able to um, dissect some fossils that go back to about 375 million years. And these fossils go back to the point when the amphibian, um, when the fish evolved into an amphibian. And what happens is all of the, the, all of the bones that used to be the gills in the ears of the fish evolve into all of the bones that are in our ears. And so what I said to my husband is I said, the only thing I can figure is going to happen next is that our ears are going to evolve into wings, you know? That's very logical, yes, yeah, so to be able to know. transcend. Yeah, we don't know where we're going, and we don't know how it's going to happen, and yet I find having a, a, a comprehension of, of what this might be is, is extremely helpful. Yes, and, you know, from, from a, I guess from my perspective, I've been looking to masters to see how this would go. So Jesus, Buddha, Krishna, Muhammad, you know, Isis, the goddesses, to see how they evolved into the higher dimension, but they didn't have the current third-dimensional forces working in their favor like we do today to create it at a mass level. Yeah, and then if you get into this, this concept of the 5,000-year the, the cycle is called the national underworld, and then the uh, industrial underworld is the next one. And so if, if you take somebody like Buddha or, or Jesus when they were Lao Tzu or whatever, and when they were on the planet, um, those stages of our evolution had not occurred yet, like when Jesus came to the planet or Buddha came. Um, we were sort of in the middle of that temple city culture phase. And, and so they just didn't, they just didn't have to 
um, comprehend levels of reality that we have to comprehend now. I mean, like, for example, I don't have a BlackBerry, and I hope I never have to use it. <laughs> but, but at the same time, um, that's, I mean, I mean, after all, I'm 65. I can probably get away with that one. But I certainly can't get away with not understanding um, automobiles and trains and steam engines and all that sort of stuff. You know? <laughs> There's just so a lot true. of stuff that we have to comprehend. And I think, think um, it, and, and the level of change is just unbelievable. At least me, without having a reason for it, it just doesn't. It just is too much. Yeah, it's it can definitely be overstimulating at times, can't yeah. it? <laughs> it definitely adds to the term multitasking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then another thing, one of the key themes of the mind code, of course, is is our evolution into becoming peaceful beings. Because one of the concepts I bring into the book is the the uh, concept of exopolitics, which comes from Alfred Lambrimon Weber. And exopolitics is is a whole uh, field of study on our planet that has to do with the idea that we have been quarantined on our planet um, from the rest of the universe because we're so violent. And that what's really happening at the end of the Mayan calendar is we're going to move beyond being violent from an evolutionary perspective and then we're going to re-enter the universe. And so this idea was a very, very powerful concept for me because my 2001 book is called Catastrophobia. And, of course, catastrophobia, the term itself, which I made up, means fear of catastrophes. And the, the basic thesis of catastrophobia is that we've gone through a whole series of major um, earth changes and cosmic um, collisions during the last 20,000 uh, years, which have turned um, humans into a multi-traumatized species. And my own contribution to exopolitics, which I've now linked up with Alfred Lambrimont Weber, and he's fascinated by it. And I, I've just explained that I think the reason we got quarantined was we became a multi-traumatized species. And then once we got to that level, then we became violent. And and so I think the most difficult part, really, of what we're going through right now is we're waking up from being a multi-traumatized species by healing ourselves. And as we go through that, we're, we're, you know, we're letting go of the most intense level of wounding and pain that, that we've lived with on this planet. It's a huge process. Absolutely. And I think, I, I, do you agree that we are not only cleaning ourselves from a personal level, but from the larger consciousness level, and that we all feel that toll? Yes, yes, I do. Yeah. Okay. And, and what's making it so difficult is the parts of ourselves which haven't been able to move it yet, you know. So like all of us, I mean, I've also written a trilogy based on um, 100 past life regression sessions, uh, sessions under hypnosis. That's the mind, yes. uh, the mind Chronicles, yeah. And um, the Mind Chronicles time travels over 100,000 years of human consciousness. And so we've all got it deep, lurking deep within ourselves, you know, memories of experiences with Neanderthals and you name it. We've got a lot of stuff to clear and comprehend. So what is the distribution of flow then from information from each of the higher dimensions of consciousness and then how do they interrelate in this larger shift into the awakening? Yeah, that's a, that's a great one because that, it's funny you bring that up because I'm actually working on a lecture right now for a workshop in a couple of weeks where for the first time I'm attempting to integrate the nine dimensions of consciousness to, to really integrate it with Carl's theory of evolution. And what this involves is, in my case, I'm the one who's been teaching nine dimensions of consciousness and also writing about it and everything like that. And so from my perspective, it's easy for me to say, let's 
start at the ninth dimension and let's start at the point where we are in time right now in relationship to the calendar. Then let's come into God consciousness. Let's move into eight. And then once we move into eight, then let's move into sound because what happens is the creator communicates with us by sound. And, of course, sound is vibration. And then with the sound and vibration, then we have the formation of geometry. And then once we have the formation of geometry, we go into the fifth dimension, which is the heart. Well, first of all, what's the point of that in relationship to us? Well, what you can do is you can take each one of those higher dimensions and you can look at how that dimension influences you, which is what we do in workshops. So, for example, the sixth dimension is the dimension of sacred geometry and form. And what's also in the sixth dimension is things like Tai Chi, yoga, and dance, all of the different initiatic schools on the planet that teach us how to keep our body in form. Because if we let our body go out of form, then we get arthritis and heart conditions and, you know, all that stuff. We, we become diseased. Mm-hmm. And so if you start to really get into multidimensionality, you can look at how each dimension affects you in the third dimension. And you can become very, very skilled at using the greatest potential of that dimension. So, so that's just my own work over the last 12 years. But what I haven't been able to do yet, what I'm working on right now, is how to integrate those kinds of access of consciousness into the actual evolutionary issue, which would be the, it it gets into the subject of of brain lateralization. It gets into the issue of the right and left hemispheres of the brain and and the the, the corpus callosum and the higher glands like the thalamus and the hypothalamus and pineal gland. And so, yeah, from an evolutionary point of view, What's happening is those higher dimensions are actually creating changes in those higher faculties of the brain. And what I'm working on right now is an attempt to really find a way to describe that. Because in my experience, if I can describe that in a really visceral and and emotional way, then people will immediately feel all of those faculties right in their own brains, which would be one of my goals. You know, so that's very important into that. That is a powerful, powerful concept, and immediately the first thing I see is people um, experiencing, like for instance, if we have a, a, a cell phone or a cordless phone, that's going to function at like 20, 20 decibels. Mm-hmm. And then if we take you know, a sound system that's meant for a, a football field, that's going to be 500 decibels. Mm-hmm. And so it allows us to, to adapt the amount of decibels that are being sent from the universe. <laughs> it's, it's a miracle, isn't it, that, that our, it is. what our brains are doing. And I, the Pleiadians, you know, the worst thing about the Pleiadians, I just want to tell you in case you get too involved with it, <laughs> is if they can't get you to learn something one way, they'll get you to learn it another way. And they won't stop until they get you there. And so in my case, I'm struggling with this attempt to really find a visceral way to describe how those decibels and hertz frequencies and all that create a symphony in your head, which your brain then translates into information. I mean, that's the basic concept. It's like turning up the volume. Yeah, so what do you think the peas are doing to me? They've been screwing around with my hearing. They've been screwing around with my hearing. 
because one of the most miraculous things that goes on is that what your your ears really do is your ears pick up a frequency and then your brain trans translate that that frequency into a sound J- just like your phone does when you you know the transmission of signals on your phone but yes. if you start to think about that and you start to tune into that that's a miracle and so I, for some reason, I kept on trying to avoid it because it seemed like it was too much to think about. So then the Pleiadians started diminishing my hearing until I realized I have to figure this out. And as soon as I figure it out, my hearing will come right back. It certainly will. You'll figure it out. I see I see the pictures clearing <laughs> as we talk. <laughs> it's so, definitely know, you accurate. See, you can see, you can, you can take the nine dimensions are so fascinating because they're, they're, each one is like just an incredible data bank and, and library of information. And what, what I mainly, what Jerry and I mainly teach is we just teach people how to detect things in our dimension because the thing about being in the third dimension is a lot of stuff can be cut off from us unless we're awfully conscious. Yes, and then that would pull into how the nine dimensions interact with our chakra system then. So you're making them aware of their subtle energy bodies within the third dimension, primarily through chakra systems, emotions. Um, yeah, except the, the chakra system is, is like each one of us is, is like a tuning fork with a chakra system. You know, that's what we are. And then what happens is each one of those nine dimensions is literally another world that's a whole field of information. So what will happen when you get in touch with, say, let's say you're getting in touch with the seventh dimension, your whole chakric system and your whole cellular system is going to get in touch with that. So I tend to work with our chakric system and cellular system more as like our, our personal tool, if you know what I mean. Yes, that's that's very exciting. So then how does sixth polarity balancing tie into the nine dimensions of consciousness and the personal growth element? Now, when you say sixth polarity consciousness, do you mean like um, six-dimensional or like what do you mean? Um, this, you have a sixth polarity balance exercise that you present. Um, you know who that is? <laughs> oh, I know what you're talking about. Okay, because Jerry and I wrote the book together. Yes, and went, yes, and he, yes. My, and Jerry, Jerry's a polarity and cranial th- sacral therapist. So where I jumped to is I jumped right to the, you know, to the issue that was Jerry's part of the book. But yeah, what you're talking about is you're talking about the issue of the six six polarities um, and twelve houses. And um, the way it, I want to make sure our listeners understand this too. Um, one of the things that, that the Pleiadians brought through to me years and years ago, back in 1991, was the teaching of the six polarities. And what they have to do with is they have to do with two sides of an issue. So, for example, the first and the seventh polarity have to do with the first one being the issue of who am I and the issue of the self, and then the seventh dimension being the issue of partnerships and being connected to others. So each one of those six polarities is like one (coughs) side of a dynamic and then the other side, and what we do is we learn to balance those. And the way those fit into the nine dimensions is that particular lens of consciousness is actually fourth dimensional. Now, remember early on here I said that the fourth dimension is the realm of the collective mind. It's the realm of all the emotions and ideas in in the collective. And so those collective uh, realities all come through those six polarities. So at any given moment, you are an individual, and you're, you're living out your life the way you are, but you're also connected to all of those other parts of reality. And so um, the, what I use the uh, polarities for is to help people handle the fourth dimension because the fourth dimension is the most difficult dimension for most of us to handle. 
because when you get into the collective mind you're getting into you're getting into like dark and light and good and evil and governments and churches you're getting into all of those collective ideas that can push people's buttons so that they go into judgment and separation instead of being connected to all that is so i use those six polarities to help people pull out of being you know like stuck in something in judgment and get back into balance it's really a balancing technique that's a, that's a beautiful way of putting that. And I, I, the reason I noted that is I want to mention that you have a workshop coming up in Bellingham, Washington, November 14th through 16th at Wise Awakening. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, so, that's been filled for a long time. Uh, sure, yeah. sure. But yeah. I had noticed that. So I wanted to look at just what those offerings were on a practical level mm-hmm. and then tie them into what we're looking at with the information in Alchemy of Nine Dimensions, the Mayan Code, and the Pleiadian Agenda here mm-hmm. tonight. Mm-hmm. So, so Jerry and I teach about you know eight or ten workshops a year, sometimes in Europe or whatever, and they're basically always the same. But but I never teach the same thing as you can imagine from all these books. But <laughs> but but the activation is the same form, and what happens in the Pleiadian agenda activation, which is the core of the workshops, is that I create nine dimensions of consciousness in the room with all the students. In other words, I open them up, and actually the Pleiadians do this in, in that class. And what happens in that class is when I start opening up the dimensions, um, whatever it is that people are struggling with really just starts coming up immediately. So we have one healer for every 10 students because all the way through that part of the class, which is about three hours long, as people are existing in a nine-dimensional field, what's happening is they need to continually balance themselves and, and, and sort of amplify what they're capable of. So they continually are going back and working with healers. So it's a great big kind of healing bee-in. And um, Jerry, Jerry handles the healers and what's going on with that part of the, the class. And then I teach the um, nine dimensions so that I can open them up for people. So that's the core of the workshop. And then um, after that occurs, then there's a, a, an experiential um, nine-dimensional activation, which involves um, music composed by Michael Stearns. It involves um, a pipe ceremony. And what I do is I take people through all nine dimensions um, experientially. And then after that, then we start processing what they've been, what they've been picking up. Because, because what goes on in any activation, and every activation is completely unique, is the activation also works with the spirits of the region where, where the class is occurring. Yeah. So, you know, so what goes on in a, in a class, even with two or 300 people, which I, I don't like that. I like to teach around 100 people, but sometimes it can get pretty big, especially in Europe. And what happens is everybody in that workshop has, has a piece of it. And so what we do is then we spend some time like attempting to really cull all the richnesses that has come through because that, that, that also helps people um, – believe in it. I mean, another thing that happens for people, you know, is when they get in touch with something really unusual, um, all they need to do is go talk to their partner once they get home, and it just goes right away because they can't believe it happened to them. And so we really work with people to help them, you know, integrate, that would be the right word, integrate what they've experienced. And then the other thing that goes on with these workshops is Jerry does some healing teaching, and then I also always give a, a, a special lecture. So that's kind of how we do it. We usually, te- when we do a workshop, it's usually two to two and a half days, sometimes one and a half days. That is so nice. So if you're interested in attending a workshop with Barbara in the future, you can find her on the web at www.handclow.com. 
handcloud2012.com. That's handcloud2012.com. Or you can link up to the Evolution Revolution homepage at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com and connect with Barbara there. Her website has the events page. You also, as you mentioned, have some DVDs and CDs, including the one with the music with Michael Stearns, available for sale along with all of your books on your website as well. Yeah, right. That's right, Dulcinea. And then the other thing that happens on the website, which I consider to be very important, is that the more we were teaching this, you can imagine how intense this has been for people. And so people started just screaming to me, can't I talk to you? Can't I email you? And of course I can't because I have a family and very busy life and that sort of thing is impossible. So I created HandCloud 2012 um, back in 2002 as a coaching guide through the Galactic Underworld. Now, now the Galactic Underworld opened in 1999. And that's the um, time acceleration, which is 20 times faster than the one since 1755, which I discussed earlier. And so once the Galactic Underworld got going, everything started going so fast, I realized I had to coach people. So what goes on on HandCloud 2012 is a couple of days before the new moon, there's a new moon posting. And what it is, it's an analysis of the new moon, and it's a coaching device for how to get through the next month. Okay, so first of all, I'm working with how do you get through the next month, which at this point is a big accomplishment as far as I'm concerned. Then I also do the solstices and equinoxes because with every one of the seasons, a certain energy field goes, goes into form, and then the moons work the energy field out. And so there's a tremendous number of people following this thing and apparently finding it to be very, very helpful from what, from what I hear. And that's yes, free. And that's free. It's just there. Yes, and you also email that out. Am I clear about that? Because I, I believe that I received that through the, through the mail or just a link introducing me if to you it do from somebody, you. Yeah, if you do somebody sending it, because I'm very, very, I'm, I'm a Luddite, okay, retrograde here. And so um, people, just, people just go on to hand, HandCloud 2012 to AstroFlash. They just turn on AstroFlash, and people have gotten used to what, in fact, what happens is once you get into it, you won't be able to n- not do it because you just get to be so anxious to figure I out what's going to happen. I absolutely agree. Yeah. I was reading through that for tonight, and, and I was actually looking into the relevance of some of the things you said, including a quote that the full extent of this phase of the financial crash mm-hmm. will be clear by October 30th, which, which just happens to be tonight. <laughs> yeah, that's actually today, and of course, I was watching for that too. What I was doing there was watching Mercury retrograde. And what I do with the astrology is I explain the astrology so astrologers can check it. But all you have to do if you don't know any astrology is just read the content. You don't need the astrology as far as I'm concerned. But as far as I can tell, the financial situation seems to have gelled right now. And it's probably going to stay at a plateau now for about six or seven months but, or something like that. I haven't even looked to check that. But this is not over. Um, astrology is showing the worst of this. It's going to be in the summer of 2009 and through into, 20, into uh, 2010. Yes, and I think you touched upon that partially because some of the decisions were made during Mercury retrograde during um, the September 23rd cycle. Yeah, what that had to do with is the, the, the so-called bailout, which is the worst ripoff by the Blue Bloods I've seen in my time. Ridiculous. Um, because this is just the big boys playing games and whatever is going to happen to the small person, that's just tough. But um, what they did was they they engineered the bailout during Mercury retrograde, which means it will fail. And it is failing at this point because supposedly the money was supposed to capitalize the banks and then the banks were supposed to loan money. But the banks are taking all the money and they're not loaning anything out. So it's failing. 
So how does astrology help you to, in, to understand or articulate the shifts in consciousness? Oh, boy, that's a big one, too. Um, let me try to make it easier. The way I sure. Learned, yeah, the way I learned astrology was by, by studying astrodrama. And I, of course, studied conventional astrology first, but in astrodrama, what we do is we have classes where each person in the class takes on a planetary archetype. And what happens is you learn how to be Mercury or you learn how to be Mars or, or, or Jupiter or whatever. And what we do is we wear costumes and we have a great big circle that's like the shape of the, of the zodiac, the 12 houses of the zodiac. And what happens is we learn to act out astrology as a drama. And this, this was for me was like 20 years ago. And once I studied that particular form of astrology, I embodied astrology. And so, in fact, everybody walking around is actually being influenced by, by all the planetary um, uh, signs and by the angles and stuff like that. And so the way I would put astrology would be, first of all, it's only one piece of information. Like if you take an individual, the individual is, is an amalgam of their, their, their background, their heredity, their DNA, um, their past lives, um, and then what's what's happening is they're being influenced by the astrological field. But the interesting thing about astrology is unlike DNA, at least up until this point, or, or past lives or whatever, it's easy to read astrology. We can get the information from it fairly easily. And so it's just one factor among many factors uh, regarding what's going on, but it's a very, very big one. And so one of the things that I think is very powerful about the Mayan Code um, and also AstroFlash is I'm combining the Mayan calendar time acceleration. In other words, I'm combining the evolutionary growth with astrology, which is which at this point in time is is a very unique perspective. Yes, and a very powerful one. Yeah, it really is. And of course, I know lots of other astrologers, and I follow the astrological journals um, carefully. And I must say that I feel like astrology is in very bad condition right now. And I noticed astrology was starting to deteriorate um, right around 2000. And I think what is happening right now is that the astrologers who aren't using time acceleration are having difficulty interpreting the planetary transits. I don't see how I could interpret the transits since 1999 without factoring time acceleration in because it's just changed the dynamic of everything. And as you know also, the other thing that's going on right now regarding the end of the Mayan calendar is we're in the middle of a um, galactic orientation. We're in the middle of, a, of, a, of an orientation to the galactic center, which is causing a tremendous increase in consciousness. And so the only way you can really kind of figure out the galactic orientation is actually to understand the astrology as far as I can tell. And all of the planetary transits, um, you know, in the late 90s and, in, and up until the end of the Mayan calendar, they all show this tremendous leap in evolution, which was a big deal for me because, okay, in 2005 I discovered Carl Kalamann's idea, which, of course, I started testing. And the first thing I did with it is I said, if the astrology doesn't reflect what this man is saying, then he's probably wrong. So I did an in-depth analysis of the astrology, which I think is appendix, um, probably appendix C in the mind code, appendix B, whatever. And what I discovered was the astrology actually does show the kind of changes in human evolution that we're, that we're theorizing here. 
And that that would be how you were able to then make so much integrative sense using the time acceleration theory, the nine dimensions, and the astrological experience to really articulate this big picture shift in consciousness? Yeah, yeah, and then also um, chapter six and seven um, cover 1999 through 2011. But I turned the book in in the summer of 2006. So what was I going to say about 2007, 2008, 2009, and so on and so forth? How was I going to try to, you know, articulate what would be going on? And what I discovered is by using the time acceleration theory with astrology and then applying it to what had been going on since 1999, I was able to predict what I thought would happen in 2008, 2007, and 2008. And, of course, now we're coming to the end of 2008. And when you read the descriptions in the Mayan code of 2008, it's, everything is, in other words, all the predictions are correct. It's, yes, very, it's very accurate. To me. <laughs> I mean, in other words, I could have been a person right now who did that, and it, it didn't turn out that way. And I wouldn't be talking to you on the on the radio if you know what I mean. But but Certainly. one, but one of, yeah, but one of the um, things that I think is critically important right now about the Mayan code is one of the things that I traced um, very carefully since 1999 is the issue of of um, allopathic and alternative medicine. Because back in 1999, a lot of us were turning away from um, conventional medicine and we were moving toward, and well, before that. But, I mean, certainly the turnaround was very strong in 1999. So in the Mayan Code, I, I traced what I thought would happen with allopathic medicine, which is conventional medicine, um, until 2011. And there's some very specific predictions in there about um, the system falling apart. And at this point, it's incredible how close that, that is. Right now, people are going off of um, medical insurance because nobody can pay $1,500 a month for medical insurance, obviously, for families, you know. And so what's going on right now is if 5% more of Americans go off of medical insurance, the whole insurance system is going to collapse. And so there's some really very specific predictions in there about that because people have, just like the financial crash, people have got to start figuring out another way to deal with their health. It's consciousness. It's becoming aware that we are each our own best healer. And as you said, we are are in the pinnacle peak of consciousness um, for the last several hundreds of thousands of years at this point in time. And so if people awaken to their higher self, as we, as you were mentioning earlier, in the love and in the peace, and hopefully growing wings from their ear bones. <laughs> yeah, and this is, this is true, Dulcinea, but also what are they going to do when the hospitals collapse and they don't have a pediatrician for their kid? You know, in other words, I'm the practical pig, if you know what I mean. Certainly. And, yeah, and I think it's amazing how important it is for people right now to start to network with alternative practitioners and to start to work with people who can help them handle these problems themselves because they yes. just aren't going to be able to walk into the pediatrician's office anymore. You know, it isn't going to be there at the, at the rate this whole thing is going. So that's and, – and personally, to tell you the truth, having raised four children and gone through a lot of these problems myself – um, it, at this point, I think I might have been better off without the pediatrician. But but when I raised my children, it was a different age than it is now. But at this point, I'm sorry I vaccinated them, for example. So so what I'm getting at is that the mind code, it gets pretty specific about some of this stuff because we have to deal with it. Yes, it's, we're on the forefront right now. We're on the forefront of a major transformation yeah. uh, 
and and it, and it is important to ground the consciousness and to look to alternative methods. And I think the indigo generation is just a label, but the indigo generation of adults and children today are really often defined as system busters. Yeah. So they yeah. have that inherent DNA or consciousness to know that they came here to create a new paradigm, to create yeah, a new system. Do. Yeah, they definitely do. And I d- actually dealt with the indigo children a little bit in Chapter 8, which I thought was the most fun chapter of the mind code, because... Because one of the things I, I wanted to get into is, okay, you're talking about changes in evolution, but, like, how do they really happen? And if we go back into the Paleolithic period, the 100,000-year cycle, I found all sorts of rich legends about angels incarnating into humans in order to to uh, activate their evolutionary um, development faster. And, and that stuff's all over the Bible, and it's all over all kinds of ancient sources. But then I said to the reader, I said, if you doubt what I'm saying, it's happening right now. And angels are incarnating into children, and they are the indigo children. Yes. It's and really I, happening, and it's like I've never, I mean, I raised four kids. My oldest kid, um, my oldest son would be 45 if he was still with us. And these children are different. They're, they're very, very different than, than the children that I raised. There's something really miraculous going on. Yes, we are opening the gateways to create a new paradigm and integrate all of our history, spirituality, religion, philosophies, human nature, energetic potential to really restore the truth and the love of who we are. And hopefully these indigo children can lead us through our systems collapsing into that new paradigm with the foundations that you and I and many others are creating today. Yeah, that's true. And if they don't lead us through, they're going to at least collapse the schools from what I've heard. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, really they'll get the next round. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could. You know, when I went to school, I was horrified when I went to school. Because oh, me too. Because I went to school and they asked me where I came from. And since I was trained by my Cherokee grandfather that I came from the Pleiades, I, when they asked me my address, I said I'm from the Pleiades. And that's oh. how my problem started, you know. If I said that now, I could probably get away with it. Certainly, certainly. We have compassion. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. We're speaking with Barbara Handclow. Her website is www.handclow2012.com. Our true eternal nature is comprised of multidimensional consciousness, which holds infinite possibilities for all human beings to experience love and all wonderful things on earth. The eternal aspects of infinity are abundantly pouring forth upon you each and every moment through unconditional love, compassion, peace, truth, joy, kindness, awe, miracles, abundance, validation, acceptance, and harmony. Honor the eternal aspects of who you are today. As the universe frequency increases, it optimally supports a higher transformation within and naturally will radiate into the external environment around you. Next week, on November 6th, Chrissy Blaze will appear to discuss her latest astrological book release, book release, Baby Star Signs, who portrays the new children of today as quote-unquote old souls who have come here during the crossroads to shift humanity to enlightenment during its evolutionary development. On November 13th, Barbara Marks Hubbard, a leading pioneer of conscious evolution, will be appearing with her expansive consciousness and meaningful book release, Conscious Evolution, Awakening the Power of Our Social Potential, and her latest release, Emergence. On November 20th, Neil Donna Walsh will make an appearance with his two latest book releases, Conversations with God and Uncommon Dialogue, Embracing the Love of the Universe, and Conversations with God and Uncommon Dialogue, Living in the World with Honesty, Courage, and Love. 
More Divine Wisdom from a Dedicated Spiritual Master. On December 4th, please join me with Albert Clayton Golden and his authentic perspective in his re-release by Simon & Schuster of his book, You're Not Who You Think You Are, A Breakthrough Guide to Discovering the Authentic You. Albert will bring a new lens to authenticity and expand your horizons. On December 11th, Chrissy Blaze will be reappearing with her latest astrological book release, Superstar Signs, Fun Signs of Celebrities, Heroes, and You. Join us as we delve into the astrological realms and discover our true nature. On December 18th, Jerry Wenstrom will appear with his passionate warrior story of transformation during his personal spiritual journey in his book, The Inspired Heart, An Artist's Journey of Transformation. On December 25th, Robert Friedman will honorably appear and read his recently released children's parable that he co-wrote with world-renowned author Eckhart Tolle that gently reminds people of all ages to readily embrace the happiness that each moment offers in the spirited book, Milton's Secret, An Adventure of Discovery Through Then, When, and the Power of Now. Please join us for a most memorable moment this holiday season. On January 1st, Richard Lawrence will appear on Evolution Revolution for a two-hour New Year's special. During the first hour, Richard will guide you to unlock your psychic powers with his latest book release. And be sure to join us during the second hour when Richard will unveil the mysterious truth about UFOs. We look forward to you joining us for a most special New Year's 2009 broadcast of Evolution Revolution. And upcoming authors for 2009 include Eliza Matadalian, Egan Sanders, Bob Gebeline, Dr. Daniel Condren, Dr. Stephen Farmer, Karen Anderson, Dr. Eric Pearl, Stephen Lewis, Carol Obley, Dr. Amit Goswami, Dr. Teresa Martin, and Christine Madar and Ruth Probst, and many more. Please be sure to explore them on the Evolution Revolution homepage at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com under Upcoming Shows. You can purchase all of the author's books featured on Evolution Revolution at www.amazon.com or link up to their individual websites through the Evolution Revolution homepage. Please join me in the upcoming weeks on the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution. Additionally, please explore the Evolution Revolution archive shows with inspirational authors that can be found on the Evolution Revolution homepage or on iTunes for any time listening. The archive shows are available 24 hours a day at no charge and include amazing talent such as Dr. Amit Goswami, Robert Schwartz, Robert Bruce, Sarah McLean, Michael Tamora, Alan Arcieri, Chrissy and Gary Blaze, Evo Dominguez Jr., Karen Sawyer, Gary Zukoff and Linda Francis, Charles Virtue, and more. Please share Evolution Revolution with others who may desire to join us in the future for an enlightening experience. I am a metaphysical teacher, healer, and spiritual counselor who offers clairvoyant readings via phone allowing me to connect with people anywhere. Please explore more under the clairvoyant reading page on my website, which includes client testimonials and my contact information. A divine and spiritually enlightening experience awaits you. Co-create with Evolution Revolution. We are seeking partners to help Evolution Revolution evolve and expand to even more people across the globe. If you are interested in partnering and supporting the rapid development of Evolution Revolution, please explore the Radio Sponsors tab on the website at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. I look forward to hearing from you about the infinite possibilities to co-create in the highest light and with the grandest intentions. 
Thank you for joining Evolution Revolution this evening with my honored guest, Barbara Hancloud. Thank you so kindly, Barbara, for joining me tonight. Oh, thank you, Dulcinea. This was fun. It was great fun, and we'd love to have you back again and keep us in the loop as to your latest development. Well, thank you, and you have a wonderful complex mind. I love it. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Much gratitude to you for listening and supporting the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution Radio. I wish you all abundant peace, joy, miracles, and love today and always. Abundant angel blessings. Good night.